0: Hey everyone! Welcome to another episode of the Industrious Podcast. Thank you for tuning in, uh, wherever you get your podcasts, or if you're watching us on the Assessa YouTube channel. Thank you for joining us. Uh, today's guest, Mr. Chris Hendricks from Duncan Supply. Chris, welcome to the Industrious Podcast. Thank you for having me. Why don't uh, you introduce yourself and Duncan Supply to our listeners?
1: Sure. So uh, my name is Christopher Hendricks. I am the President, and CEO of Duncan Supply. I am a fourth generation family member of the Duncan family. Um, Duncan supply is an HVAC refrigeration and food service, wholesale distributor. Uh, we're based out of Indianapolis. We've got 10 locations right now. I uh, have a new location opening here in about mid October. Um, so that'll be 10 branches in Indiana, one in Eastern Illinois and Champaign.
2: Perfect. So in refrigeration, you didn't bring any cold beers with you. I didn't, I
1: didn't, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't think about
2: that. I mean, you had one I job mean, today,
1: one I job. I mean, last time, Vince said, Hey, we'll have better beers. That's actually, actually I'm pretty sure that was the exact comment. Yeah, we'll have better beers next time. It probably was. I don't it was because it was more than a week ago. I don't
0: remember. Yeah, that's um, fair. All right, that's on me.
2: <laughs> so we're over two. Over two. Awesome. That's right. That's a great way yeah. to wrap up a week. Bingo. Hashtag no beer. So a fourth generation yeah. family business. Did you grow up working, you know, summers, things like that? Sure. So um, so being the
1: fact that we do so much equipment moving insurance was a big thing so at that time um my great-grandfather who started the business had passed away before before I was born Uh, but my grandfather ran the business until about 2000 so growing up I have two older brothers like they were there when they turned 18 for a little while but it was always insurance if you can't be covered by insurance you can't be here so I knew everybody, like I was familiar, I was in the store, everybody knew me, but I couldn't work until I turned 18. So, you know, I, I come from, the fourth generation has five, has five of us in it. Uh, I've got two older brothers, I got two cousins. And when, you know, I've, listening to episode one uh, of the Industrious Podcast, I, I heard you talk about, you know, sometimes you kind of get that family guilt to, to come back into the business. And being the youngest, nobody else in my generation had a desire to be a part of it. My oldest brother um, always wanted to be a teacher. So he became a teacher. My middle brother was there for a while, but his passion was, uh, he was a collegiate football player. And so he loved that team atmosphere, that, yeah, that belonging to something bigger. And he ultimately decided after college, I wanna I want be a fireman. So he works for IFD. Uh, two cousins that are now, one of them is here, but they didn't have the desire, the passion. So when I was 17, I was sitting in my grandparents' kitchen and I knew that I had been accepted to IU. I was going pre-med. I wanted to get into physical therapy and athletic training. So my grandfather said, hey, you know, I, if that's what you wanna do, I'll support it. But can I can I give you another option, another path, if you, if you're interested? And he said we've got the company here and my dad started it i continued it it's still continuing now your mother's there your aunt is there if you want to take an interest i'll make sure it's here and if not it's that's okay but it's not going to leave our family i will sell it before i die so that was like oh there's that heavy burden that Mm -hmm. just came across i thought I don't truly, and mind you, I was 17. So I said, I don't truly know what we do. Like, I, I, I know what we do, I know what the products are, but I don't, I don't get it. So I, I'd have to figure that out. So I left that night or that, that afternoon and thought about it that night. And I came back to him the next day and I said, look, I don't, I don't get it, but I know the people that work here. And I know the people that these, this has been their only job. Um, I think in May, start of May, our counter manager in Indianapolis retired after 50 years. It's the only job he ever had. We have numerous people that work for us that 47 years, 45 years, 43 years. Mm, lifers basically. lifers, And that's majority of our our population. They come, they stay. They are part of the family. And looking at our industry, more and more distributors started to pop up it became a bigger thing and said, you know, if we sell it, I know what's going to happen to these people. They're either going to become a number or they're going to have to find a new career. And I said, I, I don't want that to happen. You know, I grew up with these people. So they're the reason I am making this decision. I'll find the passion later. I'll figure out what we really do later, but for them, this is why I'm here. So I shifted, I shifted my major. I kind of geared things towards um, towards management and towards kind of an HR perspective. Knew that once I finished that, then I'll probably go back for an MBA or something later. Um, I started working in our Bloomington branch when I went to IU to get a perspective of what's branch life like. Every summer, every winter break, I'd come home, I'd work downtown in the main office, get the <coughs> the, the whole, I'm gonna say corporate structure. I say that loosely cause I don't let our people call our home office, our corporate office because it sounds too big for, yeah. for what we really are. And better yet, we're a family owned business. So what's the center of your family, your home? So it's our, it's our home office. So really did that. My brother who's the fireman was currently working for us at the time. And in 2010, we bought some, we bought a building out in Plainfield and we opened a distribution center. So we sold off some of our property downtown, shifted the operations to a a bigger operation to where we could actually distribute out of one location. Um, That's kind of when he got the opportunity to go career as a fireman. I spent some time in purchasing, spent some time on the counter sales part aspect of it. I said, I kind of want to, I don't want to be a master of any one thing. I want to be a generalist of everything. I want to work in every department i want to truly understand what these people do on a regular basis so two years here three years there um and really got that feeling to say hey when time comes that i have to make decisions on your behalf i know what your life's like Mm -hmm. and i can put myself in your shoes to say well i remember what it was like when i did that yeah
0: certainly rings true i mean we've got um, a handful of employees who've been with us for as long as we've been there yeah um so certainly we get that um any benefits to when you worked in bloomington to being able to keep the natty lights cold
1: uh no 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 not at all Uh. see it's actually it's actually the coke machine that has you know coke and diet sprite and then other (laughs) don't press the other one during the day Yeah. Seven o'clock in the morning. Like I not Don't don't do don't, don't hit other. <laughs> it's not time yet. Let's wait till about four o'clock. Nice.
0: Um, so you guys have been continuing to grow. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're. We we talked about this before, but we're not <laughs> cruise control kind of kids. Oh no, we're constantly looking at the uh-huh. next thing and, and how do we keep you know, evolving the business? Um, how would you describe? So you describe where the business has been in mm-hmm. the past. How would you describe
1: the business today? So when so I took over. Day to day operation completely. Our, our last president retired. Um, he kind of stepped out around February of 19. Um, he said, You know, I, I'm going to be here if you need me. Uh, you know, if, call me if, if you need help, but we'll let you run the show now. So February of 19 came and I had an, uh, kind of addressed everybody. And I said, Look, I've, I've got a few priorities here. I said, My first priority is our Fort Wayne market continues to explode. I said, I want to f- elevate Fort Wayne into a sub distribution. I said so. We're gonna we're gonna find new property up there. We're gonna make a much bigger outfit. And we're gonna blow that market up. That's priority one. Priority two is we had a branch in Elkhart, and Elkhart was about six thousand square feet, but it was like our fourth largest um, branch by by volume. So I said second thing to address is Elkhart, and I said then from there we see what happens. So 2019 immediately started the the search for Fort Wayne. I went from 12,000 square feet to 30. Move that, we've got a sub distribution center. Immediately jumped on, okay, what's available up in the Elkhart area? Nothing worth it. So we looked over in Mishawaka. I found a 20,000 square foot building in Mishawaka. I said, perfect, let's do that. So we move that location from Elkhart over over to Mishawaka into the St. Joe County area. So, covid was right in the middle of all of this so that was the fun project uh so last year i got an opportunity to go through an acquisition of another company um, ultimately it didn't quite go the way we wanted it to um was a, a, a friendly i'm gonna say a friendly competitor um somebody that we know very well uh, it would have brought four new locations on board with us um Somebody else came in with about four times as much cash and dropped it down and said, I'll take it. Okay. So that didn't go the way we wanted to, but it kept us busy and it was a good learning right. experience. Uh, but what that showed our entire company, because we weren't, I'm very transparent. Like I don't, I'm not gonna hide things behind the office door and say, hey, I'll tell you when you need to know. It's if you wanna know, I'm an open book. You know, This is, you know, how we operate affects everybody. So, I mean, it's gotta be, pretty quiet for me to keep it yeah you know in, internal but um we that showed everybody that hey we're we're ready to grow mm-hmm. where we're, it's time to go so when that ultimately didn't work out we said can we still go to Ohio um and I had some talks with some of our major manufacturers and one of them was not on board yet and that being American Standard so we are <clears throat> we are the largest uh American standard distributor in the state of Indiana. There's a section down by Evansville that we don't have in our territory and a section up um oh up around the Gary area up in uh, the, the, yeah, region. the region. Right? Yeah. <laughs> the region. So uh that's kind of taken care of out of Chicago. But everywhere yeah. else we are the exclusive distributor in Indiana. So and then of course the champagne area to to the state line so the assumption is in
2: ohio they had some they already have some people over there so there
1: are some issues yeah. um, they weren't uh in, in the particular market that we're talking about um they said you know we aren't super happy but we also haven't given our expectation to that distributor so they said let's talk in a year if expectations are not being met we can we can talk about that but for now it's off the table yeah and I don't know I'm one that says hey if I can't if I can't sell what I sell if I can't do what I do to somebody over here because of an imaginary line I don't I don't really want to do that that's a moral conflict for me Mm. say I can help you but they say I can't so so we said okay well what else makes sense where else can we go um and we found a big hole in Greensburg so down I seventy four on the way to Cincinnati. Yeah. So we I found some property and jumped on it immediately and uh, hope to have that open in the mid October. Okay. So who is two two part question?
0: Who's your typical customer, mm-hmm. and then what was it about Fort Wayne and maybe
1: to some extent Elkhart that was making those explode? Sure. So our typical customer we we sell to residential and commercial contractors. Okay. Um, but we also sell to um entities that have their own maintenance teams. So we'd call them institutionals. Yeah. Grocery store chains, hospitals, um, people like Roche down the street. They have their own teams. We'll sell them the equipment they can put it in. Right. So we don't sell to the general public we don't sell to homeowners directly you Sell it to a lot to property managers maybe or sometimes sometimes it, it well it depends on what they can what their limitations are yeah. so if they can if property you know management company comes through and says yeah we have a team that'll take care of this yeah sure but you could also get some property managers that come through and say well that guy changes filters so he can install it <laughs> right that's not quite well, how that works <laughs> okay. so that that's a liability we should probably not do that yeah. so we do our best to police it but you know so but you know when when it comes to when it comes to the swings of the market you know we as far as heating and air is concerned we started out as a refrigeration supply house period um, my great-grandfather had a brother and they together did refrigeration repair and they noticed that well it's hard to source parts and equipment so mm-hmm. they kind of split that off and his brother went the repair kept the repair business and my Great grandfather started the supply company. So that was in 36, so right in the middle of the depression. So that's great timing. So they um it was truly refrigeration work. Uh eventually we got into heating and air, but my grandfather, uh the president before me, he they're both very much of the mindset of I don't want to spend money to make money. And that is so much what residential heating and air is about. You gotta have all of the advertising and all the co-op and everything else that comes with it. And refrigeration, when you have to have it and you have to have it yesterday. So if you have it, you win and people pay for now. Yeah. So there's a lot more money to be made in refrigeration. Heating and air isn't that way. So it's taken a long time for it to get there, but that business has been the steady hand for us. So when it comes to things like COVID, you know, we live in the residential replacement sector. We do not chase new construction. We hate new construction because it ebbs and flows so bad. Residential replacement, though, when COVID came 2019, we planned, hey, 2020 is going to be a repair year. People are going to spend more money repairing. They're going to hold their cash. Potential recession could be on the horizon, but we, you know, we don't know. Exactly. Those are pre-pandemic guesses. These are pre-pandemic guesses, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So what happened was everybody said, go home. And everybody said, well, we're not going on vacation. We're not traveling. We don't have yeah. to spend this money. Let's make not our house upgrade. comfortable. Let's yeah. upgrade. So, Where'd that crack come? Honey, that crack's been there for 10 years. Yeah, exactly. Oh, right exactly. Just noticed it. Mm-hmm. Let's fix that. <laughs> so, so it flipped on a dime. So we're part of a, of a buying group of, privately owned distributors across the country. There's about 20, I think we're down to about 20 of us now. And we have um, kind of a distribution, I wanna say advisor that that works with our group. And it was, I wanna say it was in April of 20. He came and all of the principals were on a call and he said, hear me now, this is a public health crisis. This is not a financial crisis, which means no matter what, people are gonna still spend money. He said, whatever you do, don't slow down. Buy every piece of equipment you can get inside your building. If you can find another building, rent more space. He said, because there will come a time when all this is gonna break loose. And when it does, he who has the inventory wins. So I, I heard him loud and clear. I know his success. I know his background. And I said, I trust him and we literally filled every branch we possibly could. I took our inventory value from approximately 15 million to just shy of 30 during COVID. We went from having about a million and a half on order at any given time to I've got 25 backlogged because we're just putting them out there knowing how long we're just getting in line, right? So since then, since what April of 20 we've had four big months you know company record months 2020 was a record year 21 was a record year 22 is going we're up 22 percent over last year so and it's all because we bought early yeah you know we we pay cash for our inventory so we have all of that at our disposal now we all know, okay, price increase, price increase, price increase, <laughs> you know? So it's, it's not real per se dollars wise, but right. if we look at total units out the door, yeah, we're still seeing that growth.
2: Yeah, that, I feel like no matter what industry of any, that someone I've talked to is in, whether it be in the podcast forum mm-hmm. or just out on the street, almost it's it, if you're in distribution of a tangible item, Yep. <clears throat> same story. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That just From, from price increases on, on goods to stocking up, finding inventory Mm -hmm. over, uh, overstocking, because you know that to the, to, to, to your point or to the quote the gentleman had, he who has the inventory wins Mm -hmm. that I think that sums up the last 24 months.
1: Yeah. Well, and it's so much so that when we, you know, I said in, what was, um, I think we officially moved in June of 20 out of Elkhart to Mishawaka. Okay everybody said, so, hey, we sell selling the Elkhart property. I've got a few people that might be interested in- It's an interesting time to move. Yeah. Well, yeah, right. <laughs> I said, uh, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold on to it. I bet we might need it. And so consequently, we're also going through a lot of DOE changes. You know, the, uh, the EPA is coming out and saying, hey, we have a lot of new regulations and whatnot, so yeah. these units can no longer be produced, which means we're integrating these new units, which, oh, by the way, are a lot more expensive, because different components. So we stocked heavy on these. And I said, fill the barn. So that, you, that branch, essentially, it's alarmed, <laughs> is uh, is full of units that are going to be turning here towards the fourth quarter right. because, hey, DOE's changing. Those units aren't being produced anymore. They can still be installed, but they're a hell of a lot cheaper than these new ones. right yeah. So we've got that, that luxury to say, hey, we, I got an oversized storage, oversized storage unit here in this building. Yeah. Um, I'm renting space from an employee who has a pull barn and said, hey, this is my rodeo arena. He goes, but I've, I've really wanted to, to finish it. I wanna put concrete floors in it. I said, okay, I tell you what, I'll put concrete floors in it. It's mine for two years.
2: Okay, perfect. Filling, It's <laughs> and, also alarmed, has cameras exactly. and packs of oh, Dobermans and wandering Exactly.
1: Around. On his property. It's right behind his house. So yeah. yeah, you're not, you're not getting into it. But no, it, uh, we we're having to get so creative. We expanded on, uh, I think it was in twenty nine, twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen. 2018, 2019. We expanded onto our distribution center to where we're in Plainfield. So we went from 60,000 square feet to 97,000. We're out of space. We're out of physical property. Yeah. Did your vendors
0: ever come back and say okay hey we're here's a huge PO replacing Do they ever come back and say we we can't meet all that we can only allocate so much oh every day yeah
1: absolutely absolutely now what they'll do is they'll say yeah we'll take it but yeah, of course that I mean I I kid you not I have POs right now that we put in in February of 21 okay still open still open oh. so we're a year and a half later still not coming yet do you get it still at the February 21 price? Huh, I wish. And <laughs> that, that was the worst part. So, you know, it was, I think it was in 20, so it was in 21, cause 2020, everything was still kind of up in the air. People didn't really know. 21, they got a good handle on things and they said, okay, so here's the deal. And most, it was most of the, it was, it started out with like one or two. One or two had them had to break the mold yeah. and then everybody followed suit. But they said, hey, so, these units haven't been made yet. And I know you put them in six months ago, but it's gonna have to be at today's price. You know, when it's gonna be at the price when it ships, which I said, okay, for our stocking inventory, I get that. And I, as much as I hate it, I can't refute it and I'll I'll deal with it. What about this stuff that's already sold? Hey, these are special quotes that we did. They're sold to us. right? And they said, well, Nothing we can do, sorry. So I said, okay, so here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna honor the price to my customer because that's the ethical thing to do. And they said, good for you. (laughs) Okay, well, that didn't work the way, (laughs) that that didn't work the way we wanted it to, but, uh, but you know, and then we had to kind of set the precedent going forward that, hey, they're not, you know, this is the price and I I hope we can honor it, but we gotta put an asterisk on it saying, if they won't honor it and it changes, then it's gotta change. But for the most part, that's where I think that we did. We did a lot better than some of our competitors because we kept that price. We did, you know, we stood behind them. We're not very transactional. Um, We have as far as our heating and air is concerned, we have a dealer base. So it locks those contractors in with us. We we're only successful if they're successful. So we not only teach them sales, we teach them how to run their business. You know, everything from helping them stock their trucks to how to run the office, how, you know, what profitability is about. Because a lot of these guys are technicians in the field. And they said, I could probably do that better than my boss. So they start their own business and they don't really know what they're doing. So we have that vested interest in them and we teach them to be successful. Those who listen usually turn out pretty well. There are other distributors that don't do that. They'll sell product to anybody who walks in the door and we don't do that. You know, we we find a partner, we find a a partnering contractor and we do, you know, looking at market share of their territory, where they service, um, we protect them and say, hey, you know, we're not gonna sell to anybody who just walks in the door. You know, yeah, this guy competes against you, um, but your town can only justify one dealer. We're not gonna sell that product to him. We're gonna sell it to you. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to residential product. Commercial product that's a whole different ball game, but at least uh, at least we have that, that connection there with those small privately owned contractors
2: right so, so sticking on the topic of supply chain and particularly I mean somewhat availability but particularly costing, mm-hmm. what's today through rest of the year look like in your guys' world? Are things leveling off? Are you feeling like there's somewhat of a sign of relief to come or no? No, I don't see that happening
1: at all no uh I don't see like I think price increases are starting to be announced but they're being announced for hey this is q1 you know starting next year this is this is the new increase like we're starting to get those as opposed to the last two three years it's just been hey effective tomorrow hey you know oh yeah we got to have another one so in terms of number of increases that's slowed down but if anybody thinks that we're going to have rollbacks of pricing, <laughs> it's right. not going to happen. You know, yeah. we, they well, might I wasn't asking about rollbacks. No, yeah, but have
2: you, do you have you settled in a little bit?
1: Yeah, I, I'd say so because the the number of increases have stopped. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say we're we're starting to settle down, um, and I think that everybody's understanding of the times are here.
2: Yeah,
1: and they now you know at first people are just like I c- I can't believe we're having another one another one another one. Why why can't we hold? Well, it's not us. It's you know we're just, don't shoot the messenger. But that's right. what we are. We're the messenger here. Yeah. And you know now that that's all understood, I think everybody's at a, a good point where they say, "Hey, we haven't had a price increase in three months. Things are going pretty well." <laughs> you yeah. know. And and it's it's bad that that's what we're saying, but that's right. that's the world we live in right now.
2: Yeah. So it's the, the chemical side is a, a similar yeah similar story. Uh huh. So I imagine most of the inputs for you guys on, on material costs are on metals, I presume? Metals and controls. You know, there's so much
1: controls that, you know, whether it be control boards or um, a lot of the remote sensors and things like that, that's, and the bad part about it is, is, you know, a lot of them, you have a product like American Standard. American Standard's made in Tyler, Texas. Most of them. Some of them are made in Trenton, New Jersey, but they're all US-assembled but that doesn't mean they don't have components that are overseas. Right. And it could be a single expansion valve. That expansion valve is holding up the production of that furnace. Yeah. And everything else is ready, but that one thing. Then you get into things like compressors. And not only do we sell our compressors in new equipment, but we also sell a blue million compressors for replacement repair. Our replacement repair lead time, eight to 12 weeks. Our compressor manufacturer is on the east side of Indianapolis, doesn't matter where your location's at. <laughs> Still not happening. OEMs get taken care of first though. So they're two weeks or less. Yeah. Distributors are eight to 12. There's big money there, I, I get it. I hate playing that game, but that's the world we live in. Um, but yeah, you could say, hey, if it's two weeks here for this one component, it's um, two months for that. So these aren't going to be made until X time. So that's why I sort of talk about, you know, hey, we got stuff on order from February of last year yeah. for maybe something that's so tiny, but because all of this is regulated through EPA, um, you know, we, we don't have a choice. So they can't just say, oh, perfect, we'll just throw that part on it. Nope, if you want that part to be on it, which is maybe the same thing, yeah. it's gotta be recertified then you have to go through the whole process of getting that recertified re-cleared has to be a new model number it's not an easy what should be something really easy is
0: not going through that right now with something and then something that should be super simple and everyone everyone
1: on both sides knows here's the protocol we have to follow yep and that's that's exactly it because that's why it says well why can't you substitute the 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 components you're right why can't we (laughs) that's (laughs) i'd ask the same question but it's not reality but then on top of all of this component issues look at everybody's employment rates unemployment rates right look at how many people can't find qualified workers so right now we're also fighting quality issues because they were willing to put anybody on an assembly line who's willing to turn a wrench now we get products in and a motor mount's not screwed on okay so when they fire that up and the motor starts wobbling and falls out and damages everything else you got a bad motor you got a bad bracket you got a bad fan blade did it tear anything else up inside right you know and so that's we've got those issues we've got freight line issues freight companies if you're on if you work for freight company out there right now i'm sorry but they're the worst we got a unit in a couple weeks uh, about two weeks ago refrigeration unit that came from from georgia came off I'm like man looks a little rough it was unbanded, which, okay, that's already a problem. Slid the cover off. It's upside down. <laughs> which means it had come unbanded, come apart, and the freight company put a box back on top of it. And it's just like- They may not notice. Eh, yeah, maybe not. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, that's, that's the reality of what we're dealing with. Oh yeah. And so we're talking to the manufacturer about this, saying, hey, you know, the freight companies that you guys were using. And they said, well, that's- in. This region, we have multiple freight
2: companies we deal with, and everybody's just as bad. Like, oh, so
1: it's a lose-lose scenario. No matter what right, we do, right. we're, yeah. we're
2: out. Yeah, I bought a new grill. Uh, gosh, back in February, mm-hmm. and just received well, it was a cart, and then the grill head. the mm-hmm. shipped separate. And what do we had? August now, so end of July, I finally get it. Like they finally say, "Hey, it's shipping." Yeah. Like okay, so it's been however many months. The cart mm-hmm. arrives. And they have the box on a pallet and a, a cardboard cone that sits on top of a box that says uh-huh. do not crush. Yeah. The only way I could read that it said do not crush was after I uncrumpled the cone to see what it said. Yeah. And then removed. And that's the stack. Maybe if I said yeah. please crush. Yeah. yeah. Remove the box and the cart was just like all mangled. Yeah. I'm like, okay. And the next week, the grill, the grill head showed up. Uh-huh. And the... Uh, Metal strapping uh-huh. was just sort of dangling off. I'm like, well, that's not a good sign. Mm-hmm. And the shrink wrap, I'm like, you know, we ship things day in and day out. I know what something should look like. Shrink yeah. wrap, this doesn't look like so. I, yeah. kind why of is a shrink it? Up wrapped? <laughs> <and> <laughs> <laughs> there were these two holes dead center of the box, just spaced out enough. I'm like, well, those look like forks. Forks, uh huh. So I was like, all right. And I'm, I'm I didn't let the driver go. So, yeah, thankfully, I just kind of know this, even though yeah. it was a residential delivery. I'm like, can you just take, I'm taking pictures. Yeah. And, as a take note of all of this and then let's lift it and once you know like dead through the all the way through lid the lid of the grill head where it, the metal is just all so uh, i got to wait a few more weeks I, I say at yeah, least yeah and the next cart that came in was also damaged but thankfully it was cosmetic on the back i'm like mm-hmm. well i'll keep it i'll and live you're with gonna it discount me
1: yeah oh for sure yeah for for that sure. was fun yeah and we deal with that and the, the
2: company is like we deal with this all the time you would not believe the amount of returns of product coming back mm-hmm. because do not stack and it ends up on the bottom of yep of a pile Yep.
1: well and and the bad part is, is a lot of them you know they'll come through and say hey you know what when we load those up i mean it's you know, we're at the factory we see this stuff it's it's pristine it's not that driver it's cross docks mm. you know when it comes in it, yeah. it hits indianapolis okay we're at a cross dock facility now we're gonna transfer from this truck to that truck they don't care i mean it's literally i mean it's it's like some of the guys that you know, saying UPS, and you work in the UPS hub. They're just taking and throwing boxes. And You've got to
2: wonder what the in, the claim rate right now is for these freight How I much they're spending? I mean, um, it's unbelievable. Well, let alone what they're paying for you know, paying to keep know, people in the warehouse and then in the truck. And I'll all
1: never forget. So, it was my first year of grad school, and I did uh, I got my master's from Texas A&M, and it was in industrial distribution. And in my class, there's all sorts of different industries and different governmental, you know, people that are there even. And one guy said, you know, I work for Amazon Logistics. I'm like, oh, okay. So well, you deal with like, you know, UPS and FedEx and things like that. He goes, well, actually we're in the process of starting our own delivery, really? He goes, oh yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna be huge. We're already testing it in New York and in a few other places, but it's, you know, we're, we're tired of using the carriers because of the damage and it's gonna be huge. We're just like, yeah, that's going to go over real well. And by God, was he right? Because <laughs> they, they just exploded. And now you can't go, you know, two or three miles down the road without seeing an Amazon van. Right. So, but yeah. that's, that's exactly what he did. And that's, he, he said, yeah, we're, we're going to do it ourselves because we think we can do it better. And, you know, when you have those claims, you're not having to fight the carriers anymore. You know, you do it yourself, write it off and move on. Right. Yeah. So,
2: so you're born and raised in Indy. Mm-hmm. You got your undergraduate degree from IU Bloomington. Yep. And then somehow you decide I'm going to go to where I don't know. I can barely understand what they're saying yeah. to become an <laughs> Aggie. Yeah, exactly. How did, where did, tech, where did that even enter the equation? So
1: they actually are pretty prevalent in our industry. Um, they kind of pioneered distribution in the, con- in, in the world, really. Um, I imagine your guys' industry, do you, are you familiar with Brentag? Mm-hmm. Okay. So they partnered with Brentag super heavily. And so they follow Brentag all over the world in different markets. And a couple of the guys who started that program off, literally have their hands in everybody, everybody from Brentag to Lockheed Martin. um, They were a huge proponent of Zappos and Harley Davidson and a few of those major entities. So they supported the heating and air and refrigeration industry space. And I found the program, and somebody had said, "Hey, you know, Richard Cook down here at Johnson Supply, he sent one of his program, his people through it. They're from Houston, so they're close. Right? Call him and get some feedback." So I called him and I said, "How, how applicable is this really to what we do?" And he goes, "Oh, hundred percent." He goes, "If you get an opportunity to take it to join, you do it." So I did blindly. It was, uh, it was about eighty percent remote. So I had to spend I think four weeks between campus and a global distribution trip that we took um, down in Texas. So I get down there and I think there's like 65 people in my class. I'm one of three from our industry. And so I was like, oh shit, (laughs) this could be a mistake. (laughs) Uh, I've got people in there from the oil industry, power, uh, multiple military people. That were which I guess I didn't think about when you're talking distribution doesn't matter what's in the box or are we distributing people? Um, One of the one of the guys was a colonel in the army, and he was the I don't think he was the associate director of FEMA in the southern half of the United States. Oh yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. He he has no logistics. Absolutely. Absolutely. major um shipping freight like freighter containers going overseas and things like that and i was like wow i'm i'm small fish in massive ponds here lockheed martin you know i said big sponsor of them they had i think six people in that program my my year alone yeah. let alone and you know it was it was probably one of the best decisions i've made in my life you know it was so eye-opening to see everybody has the same type of issues it just it does it doesn't matter what's in the box right you're you're going to do it the same way you're going to have the same issues you're going to you know so and grad school is so much different than undergrad you know you've got at least for us it was so much in group work doing things together working problems together um, with people who were paying to be there like they, they wanted to be there mom and dad aren't aren't paying for them to go spend four years to party in Bloomington which we saw quite a bit of <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> saw <laughs> so. it like
2: witnessed it from a distance yes yes, yes, yes certainly
1: because sir I never take
2: part in anything like that <laughs> no 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 campus courts but no. no like when I was in the library and I look out the window and yeah. people walking by that's what I would notice that's it that's yeah. it so
0: well A&M has uh two distinguished alum well they have many distinguished alumni I'm uh-huh. sure but two that popped out I think I, I sent Joe a text recently uh, if you ever spend any time on the road and you hit a Bucky's, especially uh-huh. if you're going south of here. Oh yeah, I had never heard of them until we we're driving to Florida and I see them. And there's like 30 billboards, way alive. So whoever's in charge of your marketing, you know, kudos. First of all, they're pretty. Fu- <laughs> most of them are pretty funny. Um, it is a. I'm not gonna say truck stop because there's no no trucks are allowed. But it is a convenience store slash gas station mm-hmm. on steroids and
1: slash it's, it's, slash restaurant. Yeah, uh, read, read the down.
0: business case study is, is crazy. I've probably been to five of them now. They're mm-hmm. always slammed, regardless of what time. And I'm sitting here thinking, God, I wish I owned part of that. Right. And then, so I'm waiting for my daughter to come out and I just did a quick little Google search, like who is it still so privately held? Who owns this? First article I come up is, here's the two guys that started it. And oh, by the way, they just made a $50 million gift to Texas A&M. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, things are going pretty well. Yeah, yeah. Sounds you know, like it's an
2: amusement park where you can also get gas.
0: Um. Well, minus the rides, but look, it's
1: they they make their own food there, so you're not buying a. Uh, so I mean, yeah, sushi that's been sitting there right, for six no. so, so they've got. I mean, it's it's your traditional convenience store, but over here you have a full scale restaurant. Like they make barb, like they make legitimate Texas barbecue. Yeah, people are, are driving there stop. to
0: buy the food, and then they yeah. have a section of the parking lot where you literally just park your car.
1: They provide dog bags of your dog there, and people are just hanging out like on their at, 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 at the gas station. Yeah, they also have. I mean, it's the biggest general store you've ever seen I mean take take a Cracker Barrel times like eight or ten and in a row and it's just one big section over here so it's like okay so mom's going shopping we're going to go over here and eat we'll meet back at the registers here in about you know half hour I mean that's literally probably 150 to 200 gas pumps yeah I mean
0: it's it's just it's crazy it's It's massive so anyway kudos to you guys for for doing Mm -hmm. that um let's talk future Mm -hmm. what we talked about the rest of the 2022 is is as as it is currently yep. slammed yeah what's the crystal ball look like for
1: 2023 any any guesses I'd like to hope we can slow down yeah and I I say slow down like uh, let's let's catch up let's let inventory come in I mean I I think I think we're still the, at least the pace we're on we're turning inventory where you know our contractors are still I mean they're still scheduled out two three months some of them right so you know let's nobody has ever says, "Hey, let's have less business, no, but let's see if we can catch up a little bit. Let some of those open orders come down, let manufacturing slow down, but uh, I just I almost feel like this is this is our new normal, you know, ordering for eight months from now is is the new normal for the foreseeable future yeah, you know i don't I'd like to wish we could get back on the two to three week schedule, but i just I don't see it right. We've had multiple conversations recently.
0: You and I had one maybe two weeks ago. I had another one this morning. Um, if they're at 125 to 130% mm-hmm. right now, so maybe next year it backs off 25%. And most people said, oh my God, we're going to back off 25%. Holy crap. It's like, but it's coming back to 100 But yeah, you're still operating at capacity, yeah, right? right?
1: Yeah. I mean, that it's would not be. not a bad thing. Yeah, no, not say. at all. Not at all. You know, and I mean, if we could actually I had this conversation this morning. Um, one of my guys in my warehouse said, you know, I just, I don't understand that. Why is it we can't find people and, and you know, in, in today's market? And I said, well, let's, let's look at it. Let's be real. Indianapolis. Let's just look at Indianapolis. I said, you drive down Ronald Reagan Parkway. And I said, what do you see? He goes, distribution center after distribution center, after distribution right. center. I said, right. I said, so what are you doing? All these businesses are coming here. Our population is what it is. But you have all these new businesses that are here now. So as people start to fill those, what are we left with? Nothing, you know, we don't have qualified people that are unemployed. So you try to find somebody, you're stealing somebody, and then it's a matter of, okay, well, how does the private company steal somebody who works for an Amazon, you know, a, a major freight carrier who they work inside and, they're making big money because they've got this big name behind them. right? And that's, that's a fine, fine line to walk. And that's when we, f- when we get the opportunity, it's usually not very hard, but it's getting that look, it's getting that opportunity for somebody to, to look at us and say, you know what? I'd like to talk to you. Right. So the challenges yep. we all face. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. We've got it's like
2: get in line.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, cool. Chris, thank you for joining us today. Absolutely. We appreciate all the, uh, background scoop on Duncan Supply and, yep. and the forecasting for where you guys are headed. Uh, continued success to you and the rest of the family at Duncan. Um, and thanks to all of you guys for joining us on today's episode of the Industrious Podcast. We appreciate you listening. And if you happen, to, again, to be watching on the Assessa YouTube channel and you haven't subscribed, please do so. Hit that little notification bell, and we'll see you guys in the next episode. Thanks for joining us, and be industrious.